Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Tom Jones joins me now, and uh, Tommy, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders are going to get it on again this time for what is the semifinals of the NHL's Stanley Cup playoff. The Islanders were a tough out a year ago. They beat the Boston Bruins, which was not an easy series for them, but they they did get by the Bruins. I thought that the Bruins would be more of a wide-open style if, if the Tampa Bay Lightning played them, although... They've certainly, you know, it's a team they're familiar with, having been in the same division until this last year or so. But what do you make of this matchup? Who who has the advantage here between the Lightning and the Islanders? I think it's the Lightning, but I think every team that plays the Islanders goes into that series thinking that they have the advantage over the Islanders. They're one of those teams where you look at them and like, we're way better than them, right? And then the next thing you know, you're shaking their hands and the <laughs> your season's over. Like, and you're like, what? Did that, what? How did that happen? Um, they're hard to play against. They're a gritty team. They have good goaltending. They're 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 like I said, gritty. They work hard. They have talent. Um, I would have gone into that series looking at at um, Boston, thinking Boston has more talent. But I'm not sure the talent matters. They look. They wrecked two teams. They wrecked Boston, and they wrecked the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have some pretty good talent too. And the Islanders were in in both of those series. We're really good, and I'll tell you the other thing, Rick. They have a really good coach. That Barry. I, well, that's that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, the thing about him is, of course, the old Capitals coach, right? Right. Sure. So, so how much of that style of play and system um, do you see when you look at the Islanders? Does it remind you of those Capitals teams that beat the Lightning? Um, you know, in the in the conference finals. You know, oddly enough, that's another team. Okay, the Washington Capitals have a ton of talent. They won a Stanley Cup with Barry Trotz as their coach, and then right. Washington let him get away. I'm sure Washington now is like, yeah, that was a nice move. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, but in a way, it's almost like uh, you know, you look at you look at that Islanders team. They don't have near the talent that Washington ha- has, and at least individual talent. The other thing with the Islanders too is remember a couple of years ago they had John Tavares. Who was one of the best players in hockey? Yeah, and he got away to the to Mont, to Toronto, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is you know, what a backbreaker for the Islanders." And Islander fans are all upset that they thought Tavares kind of screwed him over because they were going to trade him at the end of the, the before his free agent year, and he said he wanted to stay. Then the offseason came, and you know, it, next thing you know, he's posting photos about him when he was a little kid sleeping in PJs, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs PJs and everything. And all of a sudden, now you look, Toronto still doesn't go anywhere with Tavares, although I know Tavares was hurt this year. But, um, but there's the Islanders. They're, they're, they're a better team without Tavares. And, again, that's Barry Trotz. I just, I'm really impressed with the way Barry Trotz coaches that team. I, I think this is going to be a really hard series. It's been a hard playoff, Rick, when you, even though they've won series in five games against Florida and Carolina. John Cooper said the other day, these were two really hard series. They, they are really grinding hard teams to play against, and this is going to be another one even better than Carolina, even better than um, than Florida. And the only good thing I, I think I'm looking out of this, Rick, is that both times that the Lightning have won the Stanley Cup, at some point 
they went through the Islanders. So they did it in 2004, and they did it in 2020. So maybe that So is there, I mean, like, not all the players are there that were there in those oh, years. So, I mean, but obviously. Last year there were, yeah. But do you think that there is a, maybe among their fans, but it, could it be in the organization that there is sort of this albatross, like we can't get over the hump with the Tampa Bay Lightning? I don't know. I think their confidence right now um, is pretty sky high. And I'll tell you the other big difference, Rick, that we're going to see from a year ago. And I, I, I'm curious how this is going to play out in the next couple of rounds if, if the Lightning are, are around, or no matter who's in it, actually. You know, last year was weird with that bubble. And I'm not saying that it, that would have made a difference if they actually had arenas with fans in it. But I'm telling you, I watched that Boston Islanders game the other night. Those fans are crazy in Long Island. I mean, they it really, it's really a difference after watching a year of hockey with everything uh, in empty buildings. You know, I I wonder how much crowds will start now playing into this. The Lightning got through the first two runs, okay with it. I was going to say, let, let let me ask you though, in, in truth, like like crowds can do one of two things, right? I mean, like obviously, you know, if you, you want home ice or you want home field or whatever uh, sport you're playing in, because they're, they're they're rooting for you, right? They can put pressure on the opponent. They can be loud. They can hurt hurt with communication, whatever. Um, by the same token, it energy is energy, right? So it can galvanize you to shut them up. I mean, there's a certain amount oh, of, absolutely. you know what I mean? Like they, like they, you haven't, you haven't really experienced uh, the joy of competition until you have, in the case of the Bucks, like 70,000 people that are filing out of veteran stadium when you could hear a pin drop or a jaw drop, um, whatever. So I would think that there's, you know, while you want that you would prefer to be at home, there's still something to be made of the energy that you get from the crowd pulling against you. I think. Does that well, make I sense? think. Yeah, I think you know you make perfect sense, and I know that I've. I, I remember talking to John Cooper one time. This is early on when they first started making the playoffs under Cooper, and um, I think there was one series, maybe the first series they played. They played at home in the opening game, and Cooper was like, "I almost wish we played on the road because there's such expectations." Of, at home. I agree with that. And if things don't go well right that. from the start, the, the fan you can start to sense it from the fans. They get the fans, nervous, and then that nervousness nervous. goes down to the ice. And, yeah. it, and, it, and or if you get two or three power plays, you don't score, and the, and the fans start to turn on you. That's the other bad thing. Or if you, you fall start behind, to boo you. Yeah. yeah, start to boo you and everything. Um, and I and I remember talking to, I want to say it was Tyler Johnson. I may not. I it's been, it's been several years now. Who once told me that. Um, there's there's nothing cooler than being in another team's building and scoring an overtime goal and hearing the only thing you hear are the guys coming off the bench from the visiting team screaming and yelling and whooping and hollering you know mm-hmm. that there it's so that's satisfying so gratifying to shut the the visiting teams up so I, I, you're right it could go it could work either way but I've also seen too Rick where you know, obviously uh, teams can can um, get energy from from a crowd you know. If uh, if a big hit or a big goal, you know, it can turn to momentum and teams like it's going to be fun. I I do like that there are fans in the stands again. It changes the viewing experience, in my opinion. I think the Lightning are going to win this series. I think they're the better team, and I think they have the ace in the hole, which is Andre Vasilevsky. That guy, he's the best going in the league. And uh, you know, Carey Price had a great tournament, uh, has had a great postseason so far, but. 
I think Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie on the planet. Boy, did you see some of the things that Rod Brendamore said about him, the Carolina coach? That I mean, I watched him. I watched Brendamore go up to Vasilevsky, and it was clear that he was like being effusive in his praise. I mean, of the him. quotes that, that came out afterwards. He's like, "Look, I played against Dominic Hasek, and Martin Martin Brodeur. Like this in guy's the prime. best. This guy's the best goalie I've ever seen." Yeah, and. And the thing with Vasilevsky, I mean, he, I think in the playoffs so far, he's given up maybe a couple of bad goals. But he makes saves that he shouldn't make and, and typically makes all the saves he's supposed to make. But here's the thing, Rick, at the most important times, he might give up. We've seen in these playoffs where he'll give up three or four goals in a game. Not him, but the team will give up three or four goals. But when it's time to shut it down, he'll make the saves that are that you absolutely need. Well, and not just shut. How about shutouts when you're in a when you're in an elimination situation when they're yeah. able to 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 put the kibosh on a, and win a series? This guy comes up with a goose egg. I mean, you know, he's done that on several occasions too. So, and I thought uh, this last series, Rick was was classic Tampa Bay Lightning. You know they they lose uh, they lose a game game three, I guess it was, and. You're like, ooh, that could be a gut punch, and I and just watching John Cooper afterwards, he's like, yeah, that's playoffs. You're gonna lose some games. We're not this the the ability to not get too high or not get too low. It sounds like a cliche. Yeah. It's exactly right. They're really, and unless you've been through it, I don't know that you fully understand. This team fully understands that. Yeah, you know what? There's gonna be some gut punch losses. Some things are gonna go wrong, and it doesn't define the 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 series. You know that you can still come back from it. So. I I I think going into this they're they'll 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 be they are the champions and I think they've played like champions so far. It's going to be a good series. I like the Islanders are going to be a much tougher out than uh than the Hurricanes are. But they should be, right? You're you're all the way you're playing to go to the Stanley Cup final and if they do that, Tom, you covered hockey a long time and you yeah. saw um you know not that long ago I think the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cup championships in in 6 years. Um, uh, I mean, how hard? I know how hard it is in football. It's been 16 years since Tom Brady repeated as a Super Bowl champion. To go back to back and win back to back Stanley Cup championships. I mean, this is this is rare air among among the NHL, right? I mean, you're in, you're in you're in a category that few franchises experience. Rick, I saw a stat the other day, and you've probably seen the same stat. It's circulating around town these days. Jeff Finnick has owned a team for 11 seasons. They've gotten to this point six times in it's 11 incredible. seasons. It's incredible. That's hard to do. Yeah. And I know we've, 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 you know, there was before last year, sort of the, the narrative was can't win a big one. You know, this team right. can't right. get over the top. Been to the Eastern Conference Finals a and bunch they, of times. They couldn't, too. That was, I mean, I think that was a legit, yeah. you know, con- uh, criticism. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this team. I think if I think if they win the Stanley Cup this season, we'll look back and say, yeah, this was. You know, they won two cups. They've been to the conference finals a bunch of times. They went to another Stanley Cup final, and, mm-hmm. and even though they lost, they went there. And I think we'll look at this era. You know, the sort of the Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Cooper era, and say, yeah, it was it was wildly successful. But you almost feel like they have to win another one. To, to, if they don't, I think we'll look back and go, ooh, they should have won one more maybe, right? Or maybe a couple more. Went to another final or two. Um, so I think there is a little bit of pressure on But at the same time, that to look at what they've accomplished, it's really hard to do what they've, they've done. Just to win a round in the playoffs can be hard. Look oh, at Toronto. Yeah. Look at Toronto. Tor- When's the last time Toronto won a round? 
Right. And they have exactly. good teams, you know. It's this is hard to get to this point. Yeah, and that's that's my th- do you remember? I mean, who was the last team to win back-to-back Stanley Cup titles, do you know? Well, it was the Pe- it's not it wasn't actually all that long ago. It was the Penguins uh Okay. Like, Six, seventeen, and eighteen. I want to think. I want to okay. say, but I'm telling you, Rick. So many things have to go right for that to happen. You can't get injuries. Yeah. You, you're, 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 but you're gonna get injuries. Like somebody's gonna get hurt along the way. You're gonna have to survive that. You're gonna have games where other teams' goalies, you know, to use the cliche, stand on their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look back at that Penguins. When one of the cups that they won, I guess it was the first cup they won. So they played the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final. And that was the series that went seven games. Look, they ran into a Lightning team that Ben Bishop got hurt in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals that year. Didn't play the rest of the series. They went to Vasilevsky, who was still pretty young and not much playoff experience. Um, Stamkos didn't play at all until the seventh game because he had the blood clot. And he came back only to play the seventh game after missing whatever it was, two months. Um, and there was, I'm telling you, Rick, I look back there, Jonathan Drouin got called off sides on a goal that would have put the lightning up one nothing in game six. I, I'm telling you, I'm guaranteeing you right now, if they don't call that off sides, which was the right call, but it was they've since changed the rule on this. If they hadn't called off sides on that, the lightning win that game. I'm convinced the lightning win that game. They took the lead. And would have won. And then in the next round, the same thing happened where Nashville got screwed uh, on a on a call like that, and the Penguins won that series. Mm. So many, and I'm not saying the Penguins didn't deserve it; they took advantage of it. But that's just an example. So many things have to go right. Rick, you look at back at last year. Just look at the Bucks season. How many things had to go right for the Bucks to to win a Super Bowl? And you go through every every team every year. Yeah, and, everything. And, and point to a player here or there, whatever. We talked to Tom Brady um, just the other day, and, and he made that very point. He goes, you know, because we were talking about repeating, you know, and, and that's um, obviously what they want to do. And, and Brady is the last quarterback to do it after the 03 and 04 Super Bowls. Um, no one's done it, so it's been like 16 years. And so I asked him, you know, what what is, you know, what would you tell your teammates that the, you know, the hardest, what, what's the biggest challenge of trying to do this? It's hard to win one, of course, and much less two. Um, but by the same token, you know, his whole thing was like, you know, the biggest mistake is thinking that the that the same year, you know, you're gonna have the same year that the same things are gonna happen. But uh, to your point about the breaks, I mean, he made the point. He goes, look, there's five plays maybe, um, or a handful of plays that if they go the other way, I'm here to tell you we we don't win the Super Bowl. Like. We played a whole bunch of games that we won that were a play here or there, and that's it. And you can remember them, um, you know. And so, I do think you need you need the breaks, you need some bounces, you need good health first and foremost. Look, are we are we going to think that the Kansas City Chiefs can only score nine points if they have their full complement of offensive linemen? I mean, they were playing with with bad players at tackle. I don't care who your quarterback is; he was under siege. So. You know, injuries are a big part of any sport, and you've you've got to you got to be lucky. And I th- I think that you know you'd rather be lucky than good. But they were both. Um, so yeah, they. I mean, any team I think that wins a championship, you can look at it and go, hey, they got a break here. They they you know they but look they at the Lightning. Guy. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup in two thousand four. If we had replay in two thousand four, like we do now, they might lose Game Six. The Calgary Flames scored a goal that yeah. shouldn't. Have, they're 
that wasn't counted. And I mean, how do you explain having Andre Vasilevsky? Okay, that's great. And then, but then all of a sudden, you get to the postseason, and here comes Nikita Kucherov. Really? Right. You you missed Steven Stamkos for a month and a half. Now he's back. I mean, those are the sort of 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 things that sort of buttress, you know, what's already a good season or a good team, and they get you over the hump. I'll still say, getting Vita Vea back for the Bucks was an enormous get for them uh, in the NFC Championship game. He made he made Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, who had five sacks of Aaron Rodgers, he made them get one-on-ones because they couldn't block the guy. He had no stats in the game. He played 33 snaps, but he absolutely controlled the line of scrimmage and made them have to commit resources to him. So The Columbus Blue Jackets beat the member of the Lightning. They swept the Lightning that one year when everybody thought the Lightning was going, going to yeah. win the whole thing. And they deserve to win that series. Don't get me wrong. I'm telling you right now, Victor Hedman was not anywhere close to 100%, and it changed the whole series. And if they Absolutely. somehow survived that series, and it, it sounds stupid to say, right? Now, if they had survived the series that they got swept in, <laughs> I get yeah, it. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm telling you, Victor Hedman was – he meant everything to that team, and, and he was hurt. But that's what happened. Sorry. I'm sure, I'm sure we could look at most teams that won championships along the way, and we forget – well, remember they played to such and such team who was missing that guy. Sure. But sorry, that's just all part works. of it. Yeah. I mean, look, the Bucks this past year, and they played Drew Brees. Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball from you know across a room. You're right. No, but that sorry, that's how then them's the breaks. Sorry, that's right. That's what happens. As Brad Johnson told me, to the victor goes the spoils, and it doesn't really matter after that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, let me ask you about baseball. and We'll uh, get out of here in just a minute. But, like, um, the Tampa Bay Rays um, the other night were playing the Washington Nationals. And Randy Rosarena hit a ball with the bases loaded that when he hit it, looked for all the world like it was well gone, like way out of here, okay? So he did his traditional stare down the ball, looked at the dugout, bat flip, and walked his way to first base. Well, the only problem was – it hit off the wall about a foot or so shy of going over the fence. And so <laughs> it was a 400-foot single. Um, drove in a couple of runs, and he had a hell of a day. I mean, he had another double, um, you know, in the extra innings when they were down by two, all that. So what do you do when you have a, a superstar like Randy Rosarina who poses at the plate and winds up standing at first base on a ball that's off the center field wall? Anything? No, I, no, I you know, Rick, I, this isn't 10 years ago where guys didn't style as much, although some guys did. But I, I, I don't know. I th- I'm a little more forgiving now than I used to be on stuff like this. And if this was like a pattern with this guy or if he was if he did, if he never ran out ground balls or he jogged after, you know, balls hitting a gap as, yeah. a, as a fielder, then at some point, maybe, you know. You're lollygagged at first. But he he doesn't strike me as having typically having that type of reputation. And so I think he's learned his lesson. I, I think he probably was embarrassed, and I think he knows he screwed up. So I don't think you need to 
to uh, you know to remind. I don't think you need to to basically call him out on it, embarrass him in front of everybody. I don't know. Don't you think? I mean, ten years ago, would Joe Madden have yanked him out of a game? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I saw. You know, I remember BJ Upton not running hard to first base one time, and and. Uh, not only did he yank him out of the game, but Evan Longoria was all about it. That like, was a well. A, the Longoria jumped him when he jogged after a ball in the outfield. Right. So right. that there were several times where BJ Upton did stuff like gotcha. that. Gotcha. So if you're a habitual uh, yeah. lollygagger, then <laughs> <laughs> never not funny. Never. Not funny. I know. I first of all, I want to be able to write lollygag in a column <laughs> soon. I'm not sure how you spell it, but I'm going to find out because I think it's one of the greatest words in the Absolutely. English language. But yeah, if you're if you're a habitual lollygagger, then maybe maybe you should check yourself. But you know, in a close game, and maybe he learned his lesson. I mean, maybe he'll. I know this. He hit, he hit another one that looked like a home run, and he busted it, and it was a triple. <laughs> there you so go. So in the same game, I think uh, he was able to to turn to turn that around. Also, speaking of baseballs, now you might. I think you were the one that told me. This goes back to when we were we were uh, doing a show. And remember when Derek Jeter was at bat one time, and the ball hit the uh, knob of his bat, and he feigned like he had been hit in the hand right. and took first base, but it clearly mm-hmm. was not a hit by pitch. Even though I don't even know they had video review that could overturn anything, but he did in fact try to job somebody. You know, like, like hey, you know, I got hit. No, you didn't. Yeah, well, I'm taking my base anyway. So the whole notion of if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, there's a problem with baseball, the actual baseball, not the sport, but the actual baseball, and what they're doing to it, whether it's Major League Baseball or the pitchers who are throwing it. Tom, I've never seen more dominant pitching in the league since Bob Gibson, I guess, before our day. They had to lower the mounds because he was so dominant. Um is there a chance that a couple things may be happening here, but I guess the latest scandal is these pitchers are using some sort of substance to help with their grip, um, maybe increase spin rotation, all of that. Are you okay, and do you, do you suspect anything funny going on that's leading to all of a sudden pitchers just dominating baseball like we've never seen before? Well, I think – the whole strategy of baseball has changed. It's no, it's about shifts now. It's about launches. It's about strikeouts are okay if you're a hitter that where they didn't used to be. Uh, guys are trying to hit home runs. You know, home runs are are you know, that's the thing again. But that's been over the last. I mean, that's not a yeah. new. Like that's happened gradually over the last few years. I mean, but this, but this year, see this grip stuff. Let me let me say this, Rick. You played baseball at a high level. And I don't know if you saw the other day Garrett Cole from the Yankees was asked a point point embarrassing. Do you use this stuff? And I actually felt bad for him because here's what his answer should have been. Yeah, I use it, and so does everybody else in baseball, and we've been doing it for years. Like, this is nothing new. That's if he was going to be honest. If he was going to be dishonest, he should have just said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Right, but he couldn't lie, which I, I admire him, actually, for not lying. You know, he... He basically admitted that he uses it without saying, "Yeah, I use it." Right. But I think his whole his, his answer was almost like, like didn't want to give up the dirty little secret, which is everybody does something to get a better grip on the baseball. And I saw a couple of guys, including Pete Alonso, Rick uh, from the you know Tampa, yeah. Pete Alonso from the Mets, saying, "Hey, if we're going to have guys throwing ninety nine, I want them having a good grip on the baseball. Like I don't want balls right. flying at my head because it's slipping out of their hands." I what I Rick, you played baseball a long time. 
for like ever since I can remember, they put a rosin bag to basically to dry the guy's hands so he could get a better grip. I'm not sure it's helping to the point where it's altering, you know, it's making a guy who should be a 500 pitcher and then turning him into a, to Garrett Cole. I don't think Garrett Cole's the pitcher he is because he's putting a little like whatever stick him or whatever they call that stuff on his fingers. I, I think this is nothing new. I think this is, it, now the substance may be different, but these guys have been putting pine tar and different substances on their hand just to get a better grip. I, I think I'm okay with it because I think we've always done it. You know, maybe Garrett Cole isn't the right um, example because he's a great pitcher in any respect, um, whether he has stuff on the ball or not, but that would make him even greater. But maybe it's just like, you know, the total. I'm like, I don't care who they throw out there these days. You're going to see, and, and you're right about launch angles and the approach is different and all that. But, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing no hitters after no hitter. I mean, like, something is going on, and I don't know if it's, from my money, I think a couple of things have happened. I think it's, it's, it's intentional uh, in terms of Major League Baseball. I think they deaden the baseballs. I think they absolutely can charge those things since they're in control of the, of the production of them. And I think the baseballs are a little bit dead. I've seen balls that I was sure just based on the swing and the contact and all that would have been way out of stadiums that are now coming down on the warning tracks. Um, I think that's one thing. But, you know, there's a lot of new science with spin race with different things. And so, you know, it's one thing just I, I don't I want to be able to grip the ball so I don't hit this guy in the head. But are they going beyond that? Are they Are they doing something that's, you know, that's given them more of an advantage than, than simply being able to hold the ball. I don't know. I don't know either, but Rick, I'm telling you, and you and I have talked about this, but I know what I'm watching, Tommy. I know what I'm watching too, but, and you and I have talked about this, Rick. I've never seen so many guys who can throw 97, 98, 99. Like I've never. And have you ever seen pitchers with the movement on the pitches that they have? No, they have, they have this camera where the arm angle, you know, they throw the ball and I swear to you, it goes in 12 different angles. Right. Like if it's a slider it, and, and all of them 60 feet, six inches, about 40 feet, six inches, they're all the same playing the same pitch. And then they just start tailing off over a different direction. Like that's crazy to me. It is crazy. And, uh, and I don't, I don't like, uh, maybe I'm, I know Josh Donaldson from the twins mouth off about Garrett Cole and about spin rates and, yeah. you know, and, and putting substances on the ball again, I think, uh, I think every, I think most pitchers use something. That's and I, I don't know that it helps them add miles per hour on their on their pitches. I don't think it does. I don't know. I don't know the answer, Rick. I mean, clearly, pitching has become dominant. I don't know what you do. I don't know if you lower the mound. I don't know if you move it back. I don't know if yeah. you eliminate shifts. Um, I do know this that. I'm a huge baseball fan. You're a huge baseball fan. I get the package, you know, so I get all the games, and I love that. Because I can go from game to game. I have a hard time sitting down watching one game at a time because it's so long. Every It's either strike, it's, it's turned into home run derby. It's right. either a home run or a strikeout. And, um, and they need to figure out something. But I don't know. Then, then what, do you, what do you make of Rich Hill? You know, that guy throws like, you know, could, I don't know if he could break a window. And, right. and he, nobody can <laughs> Nobody can hit I don't know. I, I mean, have you seen his breaking ball? I mean, you bet. You got to be able to grip it if you're throwing it the way he is. I mean, that thing is. But you, Rick, is, you played. Now, so back to my point, you played at a high level. I mean, you had pitchers that put a little pine tar on or something, didn't they? Or I never asked them. I don't know. Yeah. 
if I'd have known that the guys I were facing doing it, I would have had to check their gloves all the time. I mean, on the one hand, you're right. You don't want a guy to get a slick baseball and throw 100 and hit you in the face. I mean, that's that's not a solution. I also but. don't understand this thing, Rick. Like, this thing, okay, here's a little pet peeve of mine. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything. Pitcher throws the ball in. It barely touches the dirt. Up, oh, got to throw the ball out. Got to get rid of it. They <laughs> must go through, like, oh. 200 baseballs a game, it feels Yeah, like. easily, yeah. And I don't understand, like, like now I never realized I don't expect them to be like my little league team, which was every team had to provide two baseballs at a home game, you know. <laughs> and you usually we're getting those two balls. They hit in the woods. I don't care. It's laying at the bottom. Somebody's of Somebody's running them down. Yeah, it's laying at the bottom of a creek. I don't care. Get it off. Wipe it off. We're using that baseball. <laughs> right. And yeah, and we always lose two, and then you had to dig like, oh, this one's good. We've only used this like for like the last four games. Here's one. <laughs> But I don't understand. Like it barely touches the dirt. Now we got to throw it out. And what's the? Why is that? Is it because it's is scuffed, it, Tommy? It's scuffed. Now you would think it, the pitcher would want that. That's because well, the pitcher grip might. On the base. Yeah, see, that's an advantage for the pitcher. So as a hitter, um, you don't want a black spot or a dirt spot, right? That would that would obscure your vision of the ball. Number one, and then number two, um, it changes the ability to grip and or move the ball because of this. Scuff mark, but yeah, it's it's crazy to me. Because the other thing is, how many times I, I don't know if this is the rule or not, but if a guy hits a ground ball, one hopper to the second baseman, he throws it first. That ball's going back to the pitcher. I mean, unless oh, for sure. you should. I mean, what's the difference? A pitch in the dirt or a line drive that skips off the dirt to the second baseman? And I, I don't know if you've seen like I, if you're on the the Rays and, and during batting, they use those balls they throw out for batting practice. You hold those baseballs like, oh, my God, that's the nicest baseball I've ever held. <laughs> right. And it's a batting practice ball that they've used a bunch of times. But it's they throw it out as soon as it gets a little scuff mark. I, look, and somebody can make the argument too, Rick, like, well, we let batters use pine tar on, on bats to get a better yeah. grip of their bat. How's that different, you know? I don't know. I just think Garrett Cole's, like, awkward answer the other night and I don't blame the 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 uh, the reporter for asking him. It's a legitimate question, but I think Garrett Cole was like, I think his real answer was like, "We all do this. Like, why are you asking?" Well, I mean, but the "we all do this" is not a is not justification necessarily. I mean, all I remember, you know, it 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 sort of rang of, you know, I, I mean, remember those those Senate hearings or whatever, and and you know, it wasn't exactly Rafael Palmero pointing his finger saying, "I have never." Right. used um but it was it was the most admission non-admission of guilt i've ever seen like he was he was clearly troubled by not lying to people and uh and so he chose not to but it's clear that he's done stuff and you know to what extent or if he's the most guilty party i don't know he's he did play for the astros um he's a pretty good pitcher all of that still applies i as a hitter, I can just tell you, yes, I'm glad they can, can they can grip the ball. No, I'm not happy that they're dead or that these guys are creating movement with this sticky stuff, whatever it is. So I think Garrett Cole's answer was just oh, basically like, you're asking me about this now, and like everybody knows that we've been doing this, not just this. But year, if he like, just said that, that would this have been is an answer. what right? Well, he couldn't because he's but he he, he incriminate himself at that point. right. But I, I I think it's it's sort of his answer is like that's just. That's baseball. Like, we all do it. We've all been doing it for gen- – because he even said, like, it's been passed on from generations. Like, this is basically yeah. an accepted part of baseball by everybody, you know. Yeah. Well, 
I'm not. I'm not down with it. I think there's. <laughs> I think there's. There's too much pitching these days. I, I want to see the ball and play a little bit more. I want to see those guys have to go run and make plays and circle the bases and all of that. Anyway, uh, we won't solve all the problems of our favorite game, but that's that's just the way it goes. What do we got going on now uh, this week at Pointer.org? We can get your newsletter. Big, uh, so the big awards this week, Pulitzer's come out. Uh, Pulitzer uh, Prize comes out on uh, Friday. Are you on week. the committee or is Neil Brown on the committee? Neil Brown is on the committee, the uh, really? president of Pointer. So um, Really? Yeah. So how does um, that work? You, they they read the entries and then they, they yeah. say. People, yeah, not the, the, they're nominated and they go through all the uh, – the the finalists are picked and they go through them all and this could be my year. A lot of reading. This so. could be my year. Think they, they they give away one for sports journalism. Well, a couple of sports journalists have won, right? Um, Name them. Well, I tell you what. So there was a guy by the name of George Dorman. In fact, I just right when I was getting ready to start at the Star Tribune back in two thousand, George Dorman was working for the St. Paul Pioneer Press and won a Pulitzer for. Um, Investigative or something going. Something or some scandal at the University of Minnesota with involving. I believe it was the basketball team there. Not on yeah. Friday. So um, yeah, he won. And I, I think there have been some columnists. Uh, I'm gonna say Jim Murray might have won a Pulitzer for commentary. Not. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Every now well, and then let's hope that him. Neil Brown got my entries and uh, <laughs> and and thought highly enough of me that. Maybe I could win one. It comes with a cash prize too, I think, right? I believe I believe so. Yeah, a couple like a thousand or two. But the prestige, it's obviously a very big deal. But those those come out on they're scheduled to come out on Friday this week. A little bit later than normal. The pandemic kinda pushed right. things back a little bit. But um but yeah, biggest biggest awards in journalism. Well, check it out. Hopefully we win. I don't know that we will. The Times <laughs> has won a bunch of these in the past. Who knows? Maybe they'll win they another won. one. But uh yeah, it'll be cool. So Tom Jones Pointer.org. Thanks, Tommy, for joining us. We'll talk to you later, man. Sounds good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.